Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. one to uh, notify you in advance that you are going to see, I don't know their names yet, I don't even know where the video is shot, but I feel confident that these people and whatever animal it is that is in the pet carrier featured in the video, because I think this is going to be big subject matter, um, there is a video that has gone viral and it features a man and a woman, an animal in a pet carrier, and a wild bobcat. And uh, so their their like home security video caught this. So I want you to imagine that uh, you are watching a scene from a uh, from a video camera that is probably right over the garage and their vehicles are parked in the driveway. His on the right. And then there's two vehicles, one in front of the other on the left. And so there's this narrow passageway in between. Do you have this in your mind's eye? So the couple is, looks like, you know, they're heading out for the day. And the man arrives in the v- in view first, and he's got, his hands are full. He's got his coffee mug in one hand, and he's got what appear to be maybe uh, an iPad and files balanced in the other hand. So he sets the coffee mug on the, on the hood of the vehicle in order to use the keys to, you know, unlock the vehicle. Meanwhile, the wife emerges into your view from the garage. So, you know, to the left of your, of your view here. And she is going to, she's carrying a pet carrier. And she um, is, looks like, you know, she's headed to one of the vehicles on the left. Well, what you then realize is, there's an there's an animal attacking her from behind. Now my guess is that that bobcat is after, you know, that cat who's in that pet carrier. But we don't know that yet. There's going to be more to this story. She's being pursued by this animal. The man drops everything, runs around the back of his vehicle, grabs the animal off the wife, not knowing what it is. And then you see him emerge from behind the vehicles. He's carrying it up in the air and he's exclaiming, "It's a bobcat!" At which point in time, he hurls the animal across the front yard. It is quite a demonstration. Uh, I would say it earns him the uh, the husband award of the year. Paul, would you like to weigh in on this? Uh, yes, he wins. He, he wins. wins. <laughs> Man wins. Man wins. Uh, what? Wife wins. Wife wins. Uh, She's woman, protected. The cat. Yes. Whatever's in the cat. The pet carrier's protected. Don't you feel like? Don't you feel like late night television? Everybody is scurrying right now. Every producer for every late night television show is trying to get those people to uh, commit yep. to coming on air with whatever animal is in that pet carrier. I, I just want to see the uh, endorsement for uh, pest control that comes out of this. You know. <laughs> be a nice okay, check. so yeah, there's going to be, I'm sure, a huge conversation about urban uh, or suburban sprawl. But I got to tell you, bobcats are pretty much everywhere. They're, they're ubiquitous. They live everywhere. They roam around. Uh, we've got one roaming around, uh, roaming around where we live. My parents periodically have a bobcat where they live. Um, Paul, you got bobcats where you live? I'm sure I've you do. not seen any. Uh, we do have mm-hmm. Minnesota lynx, but they're a basketball team. So. Ooh. Yeah. 
Are there links in, in, around yeah, there, though? Like oh, yeah. The animal? Northern Minnesota has mm-hmm. a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there you go. Uh, that would be something you could text in while we're doing this today. Um, have you seen a bobcat where you live or a lynx or any other similar wild cat? Wild cats. That is going to be uh, the topic of the text line this morning. You can text me at 877-933-2484. You know, and you're saying, you know, relevant to what? Well... Relevant to my conversation with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In, which is up next. I don't know. It's a segue. We're going to take it. Joining me now, Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. We are about to find out whether or not in a contest with a bobcat in his driveway, he thinks he would win. Well, here's the thing. It's one of those things you don't want to overthink, you know? Yeah, like, totally. If you, this if, guy's if you instincts, don't... that's right. This guy's instincts were totally right, and he did not spill his coffee nor drop his iPad. And you need to know that I've been frantically trying to find this video while we're while I was waiting and what came up instead was a school bus video where a baby deer <laughs> jumps through the windshield of a school bus and is then trapped in the school bus as the school bus driver tries to stop and then opens the door and the deer runs out. So that was pretty entertaining, too. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling like it's going to be a great Friday. That's the upshot okay. here. Okay, so Newsweek is featuring it. Newsweek.com viral video That's, appears to show a man throwing bobcat after it attacks his wife. That's my best reference point for everyone because that's a free website. Right, and that's the one I was looking at. And instead, after watching two ads, I got, watch the moment a deer crashes through the windshield oh. of a Virginia school bus. So, so they have I mean, the wrong video posted? Well, oh they're making goodness. you work for it. Oh, that's hey, the, hey, 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 scroll know. down. Scroll okay. down see, and I you'll see the far. post on somebody's Twitter feed. Scroll oh, down. I see it. Scroll, I, I've got mm-hmm. it. There you go. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> yeah. We should this probably actually part- talk. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Let's talk about stuff. So um, let's get some reviews of some various and sundry Christian films and shows. What's uh, what's yeah. going on out there in the watching world? Well, let's talk about Roe v. Wade. This is a movie that came out uh, on Good Friday, and it was a little bit under the radar. Uh, and this obviously tells the story of you know what is arguably the most landmark case the Supreme Court ever decided back in 1973. Uh, and it's a this is really a passion project from a gentleman named Nick Loeb, who stars in the movie as Bernard Nathanson. And Bernard Nathanson is a doctor who early on in his career, his girlfriend has an abortion and dies from it, from basically uh, a back alley kind of abortion. And he vows to make sure that this never happens again. And so he becomes one of two people that the film focuses on and his impulse to help women seems to be coming from a pretty idealistic place. The other guy is a man named Larry later who seems to be coming from perhaps a more opportunistic place in terms of making money. And we see the incredible influence that these two men exerted uh, on um, Betty Friedan, especially she's another character here um, and just what happened in route to this case. And it's a pretty incredible story, actually. And if you don't know the background of what happened and it gets into the politics of, um, you know, the first vote that they take and then they take another vote. And and there was a lot of information here that I just had 
I had no idea. Um, but I think it, it really shows that, you know, we hear these Supreme Court rulings and all you get is a, you know, it was five to four or six to three. But you really see a depiction of the people behind the scenes who are wrestling with these decisions. And and obviously this was an enormously important case. It's a movie about abortion. There are a couple scenes that are really really difficult to watch. It's PG-13. It's not in unplanned territory in terms of the difficulty level for watching, but definitely one that I think uh, is worth checking out. And I believe it's streaming on Amazon and some of the other providers. So you should be able to find it pretty easily. Okay. I have to confess. Um, thank you to listeners who are, uh, who are actually going and watching the Bobcat video. I, <laughs> I did not turn the audio on. So apparently if you turn the audio on, you get some language that's not appropriate for children. So I better be quick to say that. Um, I, I just leave the audio off, watch the video. It's just as fun. Uh, silent. It's a good silent film. That's okay. <laughs> so talk with us about the girl who believes in miracles. Uh, the girl who believes in miracles is a lovely film about a young girl who in church hears about having the faith of a mustard seed and having the ability to move mountains in prayer. And she takes that very much to heart. She is a faith-filled, innocent, just really wonderful little girl. And she sees a bird die and she prays that God would bring the bird back to life. And the bird is, you know, resurrected. And then she sees a dog get hit by a car and same thing. She prays for it and the dog is resuscitated. Um, and people are like, ah, maybe the dog was just stunned you know, but then she prays for a friend who's paralyzed and he is healed. Um, and word begins to get out that this little girl faith healer is doing incredible things with her prayers for healing. And people start showing up almost like a New Testament scene where people start bringing people to Jesus. Well, then she begins to get sick. And even as she's healing other people, it's almost like her own personal battery is being depleted. Um, and despite prayers for her healing, uh, well, let's just say things continue on in that trajectory. So mm -hmm. um, this is a pretty interesting film in that I think it um, sort of setting aside, uh, are there really miraculous faith healers out there that can heal multiple really sick people? I think it, it asks us to ponder the question, um, why does God seem to answer some prayers and not others? And, mm -hmm. and, and, and the film suggests, I think, in the end, that what is ultimately important is our hope in Jesus, whether those prayers are answered in this life or, you know, whether we ultimately experience healing in his presence. And, and obviously that's a cliche. I don't even really like saying that because I get frustrated sometimes when people minimize the reality of suffering here. However, this film asks us to, to ponder that. And I actually saw it about a year ago. My daughters were nine and 11 when we saw it. And they adored this movie. I mean, they absolutely loved it. So um, it's another one that is in theaters, actually, and uh, I think actually could be worth a trip to the theater to see. All right, fantastic. We're going to take a very brief break. When we come back, we're going to review The Chosen Season 2 with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families, Plugged In. You can find everything we're talking about at PluggedIn.com. We'll be right back. All right, I don't mind telling you, my family are big fans of The Chosen. We are watching season two. Joining me now, Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In to talk about this television series. 
Yeah, you know, this is a, a series that has been created by uh, Dallas Jenkins, who's the son of Jerry Jenkins, who people may know from Left Behind fame. And it really is um, Dallas's imaginative, dramatized attempt to give us a new perspective on the life of Christ, and it and it focuses on the various characters uh, in that story that are around Jesus. Now, if you're looking for something that is drawn directly word for word from the pages of Scripture, you're not going to get that here. But what you will get is what I would call a faithful extrapolation, if you will, of what might it have been like to be with these people? What would these characters' real lives have been like? What was the surrounding political climate and culture like. Um, and, and I think it really does a great job of immersing us in a sense of the reality that Jesus walked into, uh, you know, 2000 years ago. This is not a sterilized portrait. Uh, it's one that can be pretty gritty at times. I don't think inappropriate, but um, you might, it may be at times there may be things that are a little bit on the intense side for young children. Um, but, uh, I confess I have not seen the first episode of season two. Uh, and I think there maybe has been one more out since then, since they began airing two weeks ago. But Carmen, what do you think of season two so far? Love it. Love yeah. it. Love it. Yeah. I, um, the, it's the portrayal of Jesus. Um, and the portrayal, well, the portrayal of the disciples is excellent as well. Um, uh, it, the portrayal of Jesus, though, if you have, if you have longed to see Jesus accurately portrayed, um, I, it's hard for me to imagine you that there that anybody is ever going to do this better. Like it yeah. is, um, you are drawn to him, and yeah. that has to be how it was. Like there, there, that's how he must have been. People were literally drawn to him. And not in some weird magnetic way, but in a right. genuine, there is something different about this person. He he genuinely has not only the words of life, but, I mean, people just want to be with him. And yeah. um, you can, it's it's just very good. And, I, you know, I think that like anything, it's easy to find things about which we could be critical. Sure. But in terms, I'll just give this as evidence. Um, I have a 15-year-old with special needs. And up to this point... The the DVDs that he, you know, uh, seems to want to watch over and over and over again are like, you know, anime, um, which is not my favorite. And right. uh, some hero thing. I don't know. Hero Academia or something like that. My, um, my now, hero Academia. There you go. That has been the that's what he wants to watch. Now, this is what he wants to watch. This is what he wants to watch over and over and over and over and over again. I got to tell you. So something's going on there. Um, he is captivated. He now knows stories that, you know, you could read it to him a thousand times and it's, and, and he can't tell you what happened. He can now right. tell you what happened. He can tell you what happened and he can tell you about, he, I mean, the leper is one story that seems to be really, really important to Matthew and Matthew's huh. in my family. And I'm just saying like, there's just, there's something going on in terms of the way God is using this to touch people that uh, I don't want our listeners to miss. So I yeah, highly recommend you know, it. I think um, this is not a word that I use very often because it's a, it's a powerful word. In fact, I'm not sure I've ever used it in the many interviews I've done over the years. It feels like there's an anointing on this and mm -hmm. we'll call it a lowercase anointing. I'm not saying it's inhabited fully by the Holy spirit, but um, there is a sense that, that Dallas Jenkins has tapped into something 
special here. And I've seen mm-hmm. uh, a chunk of the first season. Um, and I remember even the very first episode, I think it's Mary Magdalene and, you know, oh. she's possessed and it's, it's intense, oh. right? And her and, trans and her transformation is extraordinary. And it, and it becomes oh, yeah. the thing that the Pharisees cannot deny. You cannot right. deny the transformation that's taking place in the lives of real people for whom, you know, the religiosity of the day did not have an answer. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So definitely worth yeah. checking out. All right. We got um, we got a few other things to talk about here today. Um, you pick one because we got tons of stuff left on our list. Do you want to uh, you want to do a quick review of Arlo, the alligator boy, or do you want to yeah, talk about crime I, stories? Should we love them? No, I want to do Arlo, the alligator boy. All right, um, let's do it. This is uh, an animated movie that is streaming on Netflix today. Um, and here's the thing. This is a movie about a an alligator boy. He's half alligator, half human. He's born in New York City. He's put in a basket and floated Moses style all the way to Louisiana. That sounds familiar. I know, right? Uh, and he goes all the way to Louisiana. We won't really overthink how how much coastline there is between New York City and <laughs> and New Orleans. A fair bit, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Where he's raised by a kindly woman who notices that he has a a bracelet that says the hospital that he was born in, in New York City. Um, and she eventually says, you know, you have a dad in New York City and you should go find him. And so this is a journey about trying to find your dad, a journey of discovery, the quirky friends he makes along the way. Um, it's a journey about misfits and they're singing and it's a musical. It's terrific. However, there's all sorts of Um, There's no really great way to say this without sounding harsh. There's a ton of gay stereotyping here. um, Mm -hmm. And it becomes, even though there's no explicit sort of same-sex activity, um, you cannot miss the tropes that are here uh, to the extent that, um, you know, I looked up what are some of the the pro-gay website saying about this, and they're just gushing about it. One of them called it an instant LGBTQ classic. Um, Another said, this is a story uh, boldly about characters who are coded LGBTQA plus in their tropes and actions. Um, And so, you know, what do we do with that as parents? Are young viewers going to pick up on that? I don't know that they are, but I think it's another example of how this is an agenda and a worldview that's permeating so much of the stuff that's aimed at really young kids. And and this is aimed at young children. And so you need to be aware of that, but you, you need to be aware of the bigger trend as well that once upon a time we never would have had sexual content in cartoons aimed at kids. But we've been past that time for a long time now. And this is just the latest example of that, that families need to be aware of. All right. Um, I also want people to read, um, your piece that's posted, or actually it's Paul's piece. That's, um, that's posted. Uh, we love true crime entertainment. Should we, um, I saw this week as well, Adam, that, um, Magellan TV, which is a streaming service, is yeah. paying people to binge watch true crime documentaries. Oh my if word. If they will do it, if they will do it for 24 hours straight, they will pay people $2400. Well, see, all of a sudden I went from disgusted to interested right there. <laughs> Cuz it's a lot of money, right? Cuz it's a lot of money. Yeah. If I you mean... could if you could earn $100 an hour for for watching true crime, binge binge watching true crime documentaries for 24 hours straight, 
Um, but I got to tell you, that's the that that's dangerous. That's really dangerous because yeah. what if I turned around and told you I'd pay you to watch, you know, I, I some horrible thing that we know is going to set hooks in your brain and never let you go. And all I right. have to do is pay you um, to do it and get you hooked. I mean, it's a little bit like the, the conversation or the question, what would you do for a million dollars? You know, would you sell right. your kid? Would you sell your what wife? You- would you sell yourself? Like, what's your price? Exactly. Right. The indecent proposal question. And I guess I just gave it away. I guess my price is $2,400. But, um, you know, we had a great conversation on our podcast this week, the Plugged In Show, about this very issue. And I was coming from a place of just really, I, I don't listen to true crime podcasts. I don't watch these shows. And I'm like, what's the deal with them? And, um, great conversation. And Paul deals with some of those issues in this blog too about, there's some redemptive issues here, but there's also, you know, what Edgar Allan Poe called the spirit of perverseness, right? We're, we are drawn sometimes seemingly magnetically to look at dark things, you know, rubbernecking at mm-hmm. accidents as we drive by them. And I think there is that there's an element of that spirit, spirit of perverseness in our attraction to these kinds of stories. So we had Absolutely. a great, great talk about that this week. All right. Hey, as always, thank you so much. We love talking with you. That is Thanks, Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In. You can check it all out at PluggedIn.com. We'll be right back. Okay, that's really cool. Christian creatives out there, check out EngageArt.org. Uh, and then, you know, prepare to share us, share with us your testimony and your art because that would be really cool. Um, all right, up next, here's the question. Do you know someone who is in a toxic relationship? Does your happiness depend on someone else's affection or presence in your life? Are your thoughts consumed by another person? Now, for the Christian, if our thoughts are consumed by Christ, and if our joy depends on God's presence in our lives, then we have a refuge. We have a strength. Replacing toxic relationships with a real-life, life-giving one with Jesus, that's the subject that we're going to explore next with author Ellen Dykus from Harvest USA. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Are a bride and groom ever more married than they are the first day? The vows are made, their certificates signed. Could they be any more married than that? This is Max Locato. Imagine 50 years later. They finish each other's sentences, order each other's food. They even start looking alike, a thought which troubles my wife, Deanlin, deeply. Wouldn't they be more married on their 50th anniversary than on their wedding day? Marriage is both a done deal and a daily development. The same is true of our walk with God. Can you be more saved than you were the first day of your salvation? No, but can a person grow in salvation? Absolutely. Like marriage, it's a done deal and a daily development. Be secure in your salvation and at the same time, grow in your salvation. This is Max Locato. Joining me now, Ellen Dykus. She's the author of Toxic Relationships, Taking Refuge in Christ. You can find her at HarvestUSA. 
dot org. Ellen, is it is it Ellen or Ellen Mary? Am I supposed to? I mean, you know, your father named you twice. Am I supposed to call you by both <laughs> names? Hey, good morning, Carmen. Good morning. You, I just go by Ellen. I like I like to use my full name with my writing, but um, I just go by Ellen. All right, fantastic. So, um, so Ellen, first of all, um, thank you for this book. It's um, it's it's like being with uh, a trusted friend in a mm. in a thirty one day conversation. Um, and sometimes I think it probably takes people more than thirty one days to to walk through this because there are some of these questions that are um, that are fairly penetrating, and my guess is take people more than a day to work their way through. Tell us what 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 what's in toxic relationships the book and um, so let's just open the conversation that way. Yeah. Yeah, well, as you mentioned, it is a devotional book um, meant to be kind of taken in small kind of bite-sized pieces. And so over 31 days, I seek to just, I love that you said that it feels like having a conversation with me, which is exactly the heart posture I had as I wrote it that, um, cause I know, I know personally that this is a really hard, um, not just topic, but struggle to really engage and overcome when you are in the midst of a very entangled, messy relational dynamic. So the book kind of walks a reader through first a fresh focus on God as our refuge, and then getting a bit more personal to understand how do these relationally idolatrous codependent connections develop, how and why? What are some what are some uh, initial steps to start taking to begin moving away from them? And then I close out the book. Really, the longest section is a a look at Jesus as the refuge who gives us everything we need relationally. And you know, as we're as we're going to Him, as we're abiding in Him. Uh, He is the one that enables us and frees us up to really have healthy, holy connections with people. So that's that's what the book is about. So that final part um, of the book, that final section of the of the book, um, I I wrote, I mean, all over it. This is the expulsive (laughs) power of a new affection. Mm, This is mm, the expulsive power of a new affection, like only until a person has this kind of refuge relationship with Jesus um, are we then equipped, empowered, strengthened um, mm. to live differently with other people? And that, mm. that for me, is the gift of the book. Mm. Well, pra- praise the Lord. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I know myself from my own journey in the midst of, you know, we can call it a lot of things, relational idolatry, people idolatry, people addiction, uh, codependency, is it's something that in the midst of it, you're so consumed with the emotions of it, with the particular person or relational dynamic that focusing on Christ seems can seem impossible. Uh, and, and once again, that I think reveals the oh, and frivolous. nature. I think it, I, yeah. I think for some people it seems frivolous. Like I got to deal with right. this real person in the real world. I, I don't have time to deal with Jesus. Like right? I, yeah. And and the the complete reverse is is the truth. Exactly. Um, we do need to understand the dynamics that are going on in our sinful and broken hearts. And we do need to understand why is it that certain relationships seem to hook us. But uh, I love um, I love the saying that, you know, for every one look at our sin, we need 10 looks at Christ and the gospel. Mm. And that's even a part of the detachment, the uh, deco- the um, 
I'm trying to think of the word, but I'll just leave it at that. The detachment, detoxification is the word I was looking for. From these kinds of dynamics, um, we need to focus on the Lord and let him help us deal with our hearts. Absolutely. All right. I'm talking with Ellen. Her last name is spelled D-Y-K-A-S, and you're going to want that um, when you're when you're when you're seeking her out, the book is Toxic Relationships: Taking Refuge in Christ. You can also find her at HarvestUSA.org. Um, okay, when we're talking about toxic relationships, what are we talking about, and how do our relationships get get skewed like this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, toxic relationships could refer to a wide variety of relationships that have become polluted with. Mm sinful motivation, sinful intent, uh, with broken, our own broken heartedness. And I bring that out in the book that our own suffering is one of the, di- one of the uh, ingredients that can lead us in this direction of um, a dependency on people and or a dependency on the dynamic we experience in certain relationships. So Carmen, my book is a focus specifically on that, the emotional, uh, entangled, codependent nature that can develop in friendships, dating relationships, marriage, uh, parent and child relationships, and mentoring and uh, mentoring and discipleship types of relationships. So in brief, or a summary of that, uh, it's when Christ is displaced as the love of our hearts, the priority of our hearts is our source of security, unfailing love and identity. When we push him aside and try to grasp for those beautiful things that we can really only have in him, when we try to get that from a person, it's going to lead to a mess, which is, which is, you know, as I've mentioned, is a part of my own story and um, so many women that I've gotten to walk with um, discipleship through Harvest USA and other relationships have experienced this. So, All right, yeah. we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ellen Mary Dykus is the author. Toxic Relationships is the book, Taking Refuge in Christ. We're going to return to this conversation in just a moment. All right, continuing my conversation now with Ellen Dykus. She's the author of Toxic Relationships, Taking Refuge in Christ. Um, and uh, you can also find her at harvestusa.org. Let's, um, let's tell people, Ellen, um, what Harvest USA is uh, so that they'll know why I keep, I keep suggesting that they visit. <laughs> yeah, well, well, thank you for that. Yeah, I've been serving with Harvest USA for about 14 years, I'm the women's ministry coordinator here. And, uh, and actually, today's a big day. We have a new women's workbook that is launching today as a free download from our website called Sexual Faithfulness, um, a discipleship resource. So Harvest exists to pr- offer resources, church education, but also discipleship regarding areas of sexuality. Uh, so in my role as women's ministry director and coordinator, and really, Carmen, where a lot of even besides my own story, the content of toxic relationships has come from is my ministry to women who have reached out to us for their own um, struggles with sexual sin, as well as wives who have been in marriages impacted by infidelity on the part of the husband. And I can you know, tell you across the boards that 
what we're talking about in toxic relationships is uh, so common, uh, and not just among women, but a, a lot of men as well, because I think you know, it's one of those common common struggles that we want to find comfort outside of Christ. And so at Harvest, we happen to focus in on um, you know the ways that people tend to do that sexually and relationally in ways that are outside of God's bounds. So uh, yeah, Harvest USA is a national ministry based in Philadelphia, which is where I live. Hey, you guys, if you're on Facebook, um, you can find Harvest USA at at Harvest USA. Um, and you can also find um, find Ellen Mary Dykus uh, on Facebook as well. Let's um let's get back to the conversation about the book Toxic Relationships: Taking Refuge in Christ. Um, I think that there is uh, okay. So I'll just say it this way. Um, I <laughs> have a freely. friend. Yes, I have a friend. Um, so we've gotten to the place where we refer to her mother-in-law as toxic. There, th- this is a person who mm-hmm. has a toxic relationship with my friend, with my friend's mm-hmm. husband, with their children, mm-hmm. with her husband. Mm-hmm. I mean, like on and on and on. So the person feels toxic. Can you help me pull pull those threads apart? Yeah. Well, I mean, of course, I'm just going based on that little bit that you just shared. But, um, you know, one of the things I write about the book is uh, in the book is that one of the things I think that can make discerning or diagnosing these kinds of relationships difficult as well as breaking away from them is that there can be components that feel intoxicating. Now, Mm. what you're describing that your friend is experiencing doesn't feel intoxicating or euphoric or except how sick, except how sick getting drunk makes you. Right. Now this, this mother-in-law, I would suspect that, there are, well, I, I don't have to suspect. I mean, biblically, we know that she's living out of her heart, that the toxicity with which she is relating to this family is coming out of her heart. As you know, as Jesus said in Luke 6, 43 to 45, that we live out of the overflow of our hearts, our behaviors, our relational patterns, our the way we express our desires all comes out of our hearts that are either focused on Christ and filled and fueled with his love and wisdom or self. And Mm -hmm. so what is driving this woman's um, behaviors and maybe her, her demandingness Uh, again, I don't know the specifics, but biblically we can say that it's probably a combination of her own sin, uh, broken heartedness, as well as Carmen. I think this is an important thing to bring out too, is that so many of us, um, may just never have really been taught or discipled about what are what healthy relating really is. Uh, mm. So for this mother-in-law, uh, perhaps she hasn't really understood and perhaps has resisted that biblical teaching about leaving and cleaving. You know, as a mother, there's a letting go of your children into what God has for them. Of course, including marriage. And when we resist those things or when we just don't know any better, uh, come back to that word, we're going to grasp, we're going to cling, we're going to try to attach to people, relationships and not let go. Because if we're under the assumption that I need you, like I need you to be okay. Like I, for this woman, perhaps I need my son and his family to stay 
tied to me, dependent upon me. It could be the only thing she's ever really known or understood. Uh, most likely there's a lot else that's, that's combining it underneath it. And I, again, I've seen this so across the board with all the different types of co codependent dynamics that can happen. Um, so does that tease it apart well enough? Yeah, no, like absolutely. Okay. No, no, I think that's really good. Yeah. And because what you have, what you have helped me be able to then turn and articulate is this mm. person who we've we've kind of in conversation begun begun to refer to as toxic. Really, mm. she has this deep soul wound. Um, she's operating out of an overflow of her heart, and what's mm. in there is toxic. Um, and so, um, you know, we can't really allow her to become the centerpiece of the conversation mm. all the time because then actually we're, ha we're, we're putting her at the center of, of mm. things and that's not where yes. she belongs. So I think that's, that's yes. helpful, really, really helpful too. Um, yeah. So there's just so many, you guys have so many good resources at harvestusa.org. And so I want, mm. um, want listeners to know that this Toxic Relationships Taking Refuge in Christ book is a part of a series of books. Um, I was excited to learn that as well. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, really cool, if you guys want to go to 10, and that's the number 10, not the word, 10ofthose.com, there's all kinds of great um, uh, deals there on this book. If you wanted to do mm. this with a small group or maybe you wanted to mm. do it with members of your family, really, really good deals there um, in terms of getting a number of copies of this book to do not only uh, you know for yourself but along with others, which I think would be a real blessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Thanks for, for getting the word out on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can we pray for you? Thank you. Like that you, would be wonderful. I feel like you do hard work, yeah. Mm. Father, thank you. Thank you for Ellen. Um, thank you for the ministry that she has been engaged in over so many years. Thank you for all of the lives that you have touched through her. We would ask that you would continue to pour into her all of the gifts mm. necessary for the accomplishing of your will in her life. Thank you for um, the delight she has in your word. Thank you for the way she disciples others toward intimacy with you. Thank you for the way that she encourages believers to fully engage in your mission. Father, we would ask that you would just give her abundantly more to do um, and all the resources mm. that are necessary to mm. do it. Um, yeah. Thank you, Father, for this sweet sister in Christ and, uh, and the gift of her ministry in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm. Amen. Thank you, Carmen. Yeah, you're, you, thank you. you're just precious. And so thank you. Um, thank you for what you do each and every day. Again, friends, um, you can find Ellen at harvestusa.org. The book is Toxic Relationships, Taking Refuge in Christ. Ellen, thank you so much. Thank you, Carmen. Absolutely. We'll be right back. All right. My guess is that uh, conversations today where you live are going to be consumed by things we haven't even talked about yet today. Um, but let's be mindful of the challenges that um, face people around us. And let's be sensitive to those as we walk into the world that God so loves. Let us do so in ways that honor Jesus. Let's be, you know, let's be Jesus-y today as we I like to say, you know, go be shiny, but I don't want us to be shiny in a way that like, you know, is blinding to others. I want us to be shiny in a way that attracts them uh, to Christ, attracts them to God, makes people look aside from whatever is going on and say, hey, maybe this person has a helpful perspective or will just walk with me. 
through this period of time and and shed some of that light in their life on the darkness in which I'm living. Like, be shiny in that way today um, and go be present. Like, there's nothing greater than the ministry of presence, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, God condescending to human reality to live and walk among us um, is, is something that we then turn and go and do likewise. So go be present. There's a ministry in your presence. Go be present with people who are um, facing things today that in the kingdom we will not face because there will no longer be strife and tears and war and, um, and all of the other consequences of sin that we experience in this world. So go be present on behalf of Christ. Shine the light of God's grace and glory into the, live, into the lives of others um, and rest. Rest in him. Take refuge in Christ. Um, he is a sure and certain hope. Have a great weekend and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.